trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. I am so glad you could join me. I'm going to start off with something a little bit unusual. I want to play a little audio clip for you. And and as you listen to this, there are a couple things that I want you to ask yourself. Uh, One thing I want you to ask yourself is... Could that possibly ever be me? Do I ever see myself reaching the point where I'm going to be the person that you're going to hear speaking in this clip? And the second thing, I want you to listen very closely to what this young lady says when she says something to the effect of nobody is ever going to hear this. Because little did she know that I and many others, uh, that my count about 3.9 million others, would in fact hear what she had to say. That's just on Twitter that where this has been viewed more than 3.9 million times. But she still felt that she had to say it. You ready for this? This is what it sounds like when someone reaches the end of their rope and decides that their sense of conviction and courage outweighs their desire to be seen as polite or to be given accolades or even just basic acceptance by the public. Here is a woman being confronted in a store for not wearing a mask. Listen carefully to the dialogue. Or more, there's like 36 people with COVID in the ICU. Whenever there's a flu, there's only two or three patients at a time in the ICU. But literally the entire hospital is COVID patients. Mm-hmm. This has never happened. And how, and how I'm not saying there are I'm not saying COVID's not real. I'm just saying I'm not sick. I'm not sick and asymptomatic spread has been shown to be a myth. So why am I going to be treated like a sick person? Do you know that there have been fewer deaths overall in 2019 than there were in 2018? Look it up. Fewer deaths overall. All they've done is recategorize all the deaths. This is not what they're telling us it is. It's a lie. This is a lie. I'm telling you. It's a lie. And everyone's buying it. And it'll go on and on and on as long as they feed us this lie and we comply with it. And I am done. Tonight, I reached a breaking point. I'm done. I know I'm not reaching anyone here. Everybody's I don't care. I'm not doing that on my face. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm a healthy person. I'm not crazy. This is like psychosis. To, for everyone to put all this stuff on their face when they're healthy is insanity. It's absolute insanity. Go ahead. They can't arrest me because there's no it pauses here for just a second. That's part of the video. I would love to see what happens. Honestly, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, moving, I'm moving to I kicked you out a long time ago, and you're refusing after I'm offering you something. salts and corkscrew. But I'm really curious to see how are they going to arrest me for a law that doesn't exist. That's insulted and a corkscrew, and you're willing to like risk people's lives. No, I'm not risking anyone's lives because I'm healthy. How do we know that you're healthy? I'm fine. Look at 
Asymptomatic spread is not a thing. They've already shown there is no asymptomatic spread. There is no asymptomatic spread. I don't have symptoms. I'm fine. I'm not a carrier of disease. This is what I'm saying. They're treating us like we're diseased. You just said, how is it treating you like you're diseased? But then wearing you're telling a mask me how you is know. not an imposition to, to be careful with other people's no, health. We, it's not just the mask. This it's is the, the epicenter of it's the, the country. Lockdowns. It's everything. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. I'm done. You're, you're, you're moving tomorrow, right? So you're, you're going to be. I hope so. I hope someone in here hears me and feels empowered. Anyway, you get the picture. All right. Now, it's kind of hard to understand. The, the woman who's talking to her at the first is a woman dressed in scrubs. She's fully masked up. And, you know, I, I have to hand it to these people who are, are confronting this woman who's not wearing the mask. They're being polite about it. So, look, I'll take a little bit of, uh, of gentleness where I can find it, because there are a lot of folks who, for whatever reason, are just, I don't know, they're drunk with authority or they, they feel like, you know, this is this is the hill I will die on. And so they really like to flex when it comes to getting other people to put on the mask. This crowd, and there was, I don't know, five or six, maybe a half dozen people around her that were, were interacting with her. But for the most part, I thought they were very well composed. There was a lady who stepped up, if you could hear, um, who quietly said, well, maybe I need to call the cops. At which point this, this woman speaking to her said, go ahead. Are they going to arrest me for a crime that doesn't even exist, a law that doesn't even exist? And as the woman who's threatening to call the cops turns away and walks past whoever it is who's who's videotaping this. Uh, look, she's not only wearing the mask, but she's got a face shield on and everything. I'm surprised she wasn't in a hazmat suit. Obviously, it's something she takes very serious. But the thing that really strikes me about this young woman. It's not so much that, wow, she really she got ticked off and now she's upset and letting everybody know. It's that she is trying to. To assure people, look, I'm not the crazy one here. I don't have to act like I'm sick if I'm not sick. And the concern that they're expressing, I'm sure, is coming from, you know, real concern. Well, how do you know you're not endangering people? And I want you to just think about that for a second. By that standard, how can any of us say with with any degree of confidence, well, gee, I don't know. Even if it's not COVID, maybe I'm maybe I'm carrying the common cold. Maybe I've got some kind of, you know, a bacteria that's that's going to give somebody some horrible bacterial infection. I don't know. Maybe I'm carrying meningitis with me. Mononucleosis. I don't know. I just marvel, first of all, at, at the concern and the and the threats. Well, you know, we, maybe I'll just call the police because that seems to be, you know, how, how people want to handle it. Well, if you're not going to do what we know you should do, we should probably get the state involved. Wow. What a what an unproductive instinct. And yet I have to tell you, I my admiration for this young lady, I think if just a fraction of the populace had this woman's courage of, of uh, her sense of courage and conviction to stand against the crowd. And I thought she did so in as, as polite a way as possible. She didn't back down, but she wasn't using profanity and cursing people out or questioning their parentage. But if just a small fraction of the populace had that courage, you would see the lockdowns end today. So the reason I share that with you is just simply this. Somewhere you have a line in the sand. I have one as, two, as, as well. I do too, and I'm... I, I'll be honest, 
I don't know for sure where that line is in in the sense that uh, I've not made any kind of a spectacle in a in a store other than, you know, um, I, I try not to wear my mask if I can help it. Sometimes I'll wear the mask just to get in and then it's more or less a chin sling for the rest of my my shopping experience. But I haven't had to resort to an actual confrontation with people. And I guess part of that could be because, you know, well, I, I kind of have this little platform here. And, and so I, I feel like I have an outlet by which I can be heard. But if you haven't thought about where your line is, this is a good time to think about it. And it doesn't have to be for masks necessarily. This is just one of the more visible battles. So I had a link to this in the show notes a couple of days ago. Maybe I'll throw another link in today. Let's go to the phone. 801-331-8113. Hi, welcome to the show. I can't hear you. Okay, yeah, we got a bad connection here or something because I'm I'm not I either my ears are full of mud and I'm I'm just not hearing what's what's being said. Let's try it again. I'll I'll maybe I can pick up your call here during the break. We're coming up on that here in just a moment, so hang on. We'll we'll try again. Do you understand though? I'm not asking you to go out there and create a public spectacle. But I am asking you to question, what would it take for me to put my foot down and be willing to be a public spectacle, even if it's just for a few minutes, but just willing to make that stand, knowing I was going to be unpopular, knowing someone might threaten to call the police on me, knowing that I would have to part company with polite society for that brief period of time. What would it take? And if your answer is, well, I would never do that then I'm going to gently suggest maybe you should reevaluate what you believe in and what you stand for. And ask yourself, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I feel strongly enough about something that, it, that I would be willing to risk embarrassment or inconvenience or maybe being ostracized? I'm not telling you you should have to go out there and look for it. Trust me, it'll find you. <laughs> you don't even have to search. But what I am suggesting is... If you're not willing to suffer even a little bit for your beliefs, your beliefs probably aren't that uh, aren't that great, or at least they aren't that uh, that deep. They're more superficial. I, and I apologize if that sounds like a put down, because, again, I'm really not encouraging people go out there and pick a fight. What I'm encouraging is just be aware and when you see someone making a stand like this, instead of piling on with the crowd, well, maybe I should call the cops or I'll just stand here and film. Maybe show them some solidarity. I think we've got to start backing each other up. I think we have to start to letting each other know, hey, you guys, leave her alone. Otherwise, one by one, we're all going to be isolated and squished like so many bugs. All right, thus endeth the sermon. I've got some other great stuff to share with you. Stick around. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. And by the way, to the caller who tried to call in earlier, you were right. There, there was a problem. And I, I got the problem with the phone fixed. So if you'd like to call back, 801-331-8113. 
every so often there there is something in my telephone interface that requires that uh, that super technical reset in which i unplug it for a few seconds and plug it back in i don't know it's it's right up there with percussive maintenance when it comes to fixing something let me just bang on this a couple times all right now it seems to be working but there was definitely some kind of uh, feedback that was going back down the phone line to him and I have correctly diagnosed and fixed the problem and would love to converse with you. So, again, 801-331-8113 if you would like to join the conversation. I'm privileged in, in what I do, even though I, I work from home, which means I'm, I'm a little bit of a hermit. Um, I work in slippers often. <laughs> not everybody knows that. I'm not even sure I should have said something. But um, I'm also very privileged to, to uh, encounter a lot of really, truly great people, commentators, writers, other podcast hosts, teachers, etc. And uh, the Harrigans are fast becoming one of one of my favorite families in terms of people who make me think. James R. Harrigan is uh, the host of Words and Numbers. Uh, he's the co-host of that with Anthony Davies from the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. A brilliant podcast, which if you are not subscribing, you're missing out on some real top-shelf commentary each and every week. And his daughter, Fiona, who uh, I would say she's a chip off the old block, but James, I think she may actually she she may actually be a little bit more refined than just a chip off the old block. She is a mover and shaker in her own regard. I believe she is now uh, one of the editors at Reason dot uh, com, and I'm going to share with you in a few minutes a comment a commentary from her about Hollywood's illiberal left. And, and I, I do this just because if you think your job is tough or you th- if you still have a job for that matter, and you think, wow, I have to be so careful not to offend anybody. Nobody has it as tough as a Hollywood celebrity who doesn't toe the line for what the woke are saying. Cancel culture is just sitting there sharpening their knives, waiting for any misstep or misspoken word. And she's got some powerful examples. But she also talks about how this is actually damaging to the idea of free speech. If you really want to to have free speech and the best ideas and, and truth rise to the top, dogma is not how you do it. We'll get to that in a few moments. Let's go to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, guy? Fantastic. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, this is get, it's getting out of hand, everything that's going on in this country. You're going to have to be more specific because there's a lot getting out of hand right now. Well, into the COVID-19, uh-huh. the, the foreign aid that we're spending. Oh, yeah. It, it, this is out of hand. This is completely out of control now. I mean, twenty. Did you know they got twenty five? They put twenty five thousand dollar raise for themselves. The, the representatives in the house. Oh, for Congress. <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably deserve it. No, not. But I, I see your point. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah. I mean, these, these these politicians are 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 putting all these mandates on everybody. I mean, California is the worst. And people, I, I, they got to start rebelling. It's time to rebel. I mean, have you seen any time in your, in your history? This is, I've never seen it more tyrannical in my lifetime in this country. It, it definitely feels like the walls are closing in. But listen, as far as rebelling goes, um, I mean, it can take a lot of different forms. And I think one of the most open signs of rebellion that uh, that I have seen and that I'm hearing of is people are moving away from California in droves. 
Talk to a realtor. Talk to somebody who, you know, who deals in properties or even rentals, and they will tell you, oh, yeah, there's a huge influx of people like coming to, to my home state of Utah right now because they're just trying to get out of California. Yeah, but that's not really – that's kind of like running. No, that's voting with your feet. That's 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 crossing the border wall and and leaving. And and I I don't Well what what would you Let me ask you this, what would you expect them to do? What's happening what's happening in your home state of Utah right now? It's already turning that way. Exactly what they're running from. Yeah, but it ain't as bad as California. And they and they recognize that there are many things that are better here than than there. But I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't suggest that well, now you were living there, so you have a duty to stay there. I say no. Good for them. Good for them for leaving. Good for Elon Musk for, you know, packing up his operation and, and taking it out. There are businesses fleeing California. That's the greatest vote of no confidence you can see is when people vote with their feet. I just don't. I don't. I think, I don't think. I think it's. I, I, things are happening in Utah I'd never thought I'd ever see happen in, in 30 years I've lived here. So they're bringing their policies with them. Ah, uh, not all. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of homegrown good brother and sister so and so who are in politics who have have embraced those policies a long time ago. They have a bad case of me too, and they want to be a lot more like California. But I, I don't fault anybody for for coming here wanting to live in a more free state. It's not perfect, but it's a darn sight better than California or New York. No, let me ask you something. Were were you a supporter of Black Lives Matter? Um, no, not particularly. Okay, um, neither was I, and I have seen that population of supporters here in the state of Utah increase at such a rapid rate that, yeah, I, I never thought I would see that here in the state of Utah, but it's happening. So, yeah, it, 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 I see a trend what these these left wing um, radical leftists they, they destroy their own nest and then they move to another area and they destroy that nest i promise I you the people who are coming here are not coming here for the purpose of destroying our nest they're coming here because it's intolerable where they are living and their their threshold of what they can put up with has been crossed and they're just they're not going to stick around and be milked anymore by a parasitic state oh i and i and i understand that i did get that governor over there he's been caught many times you know you know, going out to dinner with no mask on to four hundred dollar, you know, a plate restaurants. Yeah, he's he's mandated masks for not what nine ten months now, and social distancing and lockdowns, and apparently, according to the media, it's just not working. They're the ones with the most highest increase of cases in the country. Absolutely. But yeah, I just hope you're correct, but I don't think you are as far as what these people are doing. They're coming. From, they're doing it in Florida. The, the people from New York are moving to Florida. All it's, the people from Florida are complaining about the policies of what... And the, You can't paint them all with the same broad brush. Look, it's a wide variety of people. Maybe some people are coming here for the purpose of, I think we need to spread, you know, our leftist ideas. There certainly could be some. But you know what? We had plenty of lefties here in Utah before. Yeah, but it, it's increasing now. I mean, I had a gal in front of me in, in line the other day saying, this is in your state of Utah. You know, if they'd only tax us a little bit more, they can give us a little, a few more things. That's what she actually said. So, there's your proof in the pudding. Sorry, buddy. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm very distraught about what's going on. We, the, the, all across this whole nation, with the, the the way this is being run, with the federal government and all the 
this is ludicrous right now. I'm in a different yeah. world. Well, it's, it definitely has the sense that it's spiraling out of control. And, and you are not alone in feeling I I can't tell you how many people have messaged me or called me or otherwise just reached out to me and said, how do we stop this? And and I don't have an answer as far as I don't I don't think it can be stopped. I don't think Noah was able to stop the, the flood that he knew was coming. And some of this is consequences that were set in motion a long, long time ago. Some of them by our, you know, again, our, our well-intentioned politicians who nonetheless em, em, embrace collectivist policies. And this has been the case here for a long time. It's I, I think for me personally, maybe this won't work for you, but for me personally, I break out of that paradigm of left versus right where I have to choose. Is this person my enemy or my ally? And I look at each person as a prize to be won more so than an enemy to be vanquished. And that means they may have a very differing point of view from what I have. But I'm going to try to the best of my ability to show them that, that maybe there's another way to see this. Maybe there's a better way. And I'm not going to reach everybody. I have no, no illusions about that. But for those who are willing to see if there's, there's a better way for things to be done, I'm confident the free market, personal freedom, property rights, freedom of conscience, the case can be made for those things. And that's why I advocate for them. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, we are back. I'll tell you, the frustration Rob was expressing before we went to, to break here, I am hearing it from so many people right now. And, and you know, I'm not going to pretend like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm looking around and I'm seeing some pretty, pretty scary signs. It's, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, the bubble hasn't popped, but it sure is making funny noises. And, and I'm particularly concerned about what I see, uh, you know, shaping up for next Wednesday, a week from today in Washington, D.C. This is when Congress is going to get together to certify the vote of the uh, Electoral College. There are going to be a couple hundred thousand, by most estimates, of uh, Trump supporters there to stage a demonstration in support of Trump and against election fraud. And you know there are going to be counter-protesters out the wazoo as well. Um, Somebody is going to be very unhappy at the close of those proceedings. And that's that's some pretty ripe territory for just anybody to do something stupid. So... I wish the best for those who are going to go and attend the festivities, but uh, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm not just a little bit nervous about what could come from it. I'm hoping everybody just, you know, is is able to, to deal with even news that they wouldn't want. But uh, we're in a dire situation. There's no doubt about it. And Rob's frustration is is not just a product of his imagination. It is based in reality. But I would caution you at this time, do not get in the habit of looking at everybody as your political enemy or potential political enemy. If someone and I'm I'm just going to take, for example, the people who have fled from some of these really severe lockdown states, or let's just say some of the bluest of the blue states. If people get to the point where they have fed been fed up and said enough, I've got to get out of here and I've got to go somewhere where I can breathe. You may still differ with them on some things. There may be some, you know, ideology where you guys don't line up. So what? They actually had the guts and the backbone to make a move toward freedom. 
Find some common ground. Show them that you value people who are willing to put their principles into practice. And if they need some help understanding, be a friend. Be the kind of friend that that someone would listen to. Not somebody who's going to sit there and point a finger at them and tell them, you're what's wrong with the world. They've already made a pretty big adjustment just by virtue of the fact that they left where they were to try to find something better. Do what you can to help them understand what you understand. And, and, and perish the thought. Maybe even listen to them. You might, you might find out that they have something that they can teach you and me as well. All right. I got to move on here. I want to share this, uh, this commentary from uh, Fiona Harrigan, Hollywood's illiberal left. And I, I love how she points out public affection operates on a hair trigger. You and I probably feel a little bit of sense like, oh, well, I don't want to misspeak or say something wrong on social media. People might get after me. But boy, I feel bad for anybody who's in the public eye, whether they be a full blown celebrity, a sports star, you know, the, the newscaster at the local TV station. Cancel culture is it's a real deal. And she says, with cancel culture more popular than ever, many celebrities have fallen victim to the Internet mob for crimes as simple as benign comments or right of center political views. In fact, she says every week seems to bring a new A-lister under fire. But thankfully, there's mounting resistance in Hollywood to battle unwarranted suppression. Matthew McConaughey appeared on Good Morning Britain to discuss his takes on the illiberal left. Here's what he said, quote, you got to have confrontation to have unity. That's when a democracy works really well. He said, I would argue that we don't have true confrontation right now. Confrontation that gives some validating or some validation rather and legitimizes the opposing point of view. We don't give legitimacy or validation to an opposing point of view. We make it persona non grata and that's unconstitutional. End quote. Now, the original comment, she says, came from McConaughey's recent appearance on Russell Brand's podcast in which the two discussed liberal Hollywood's condemnation and criticism of ordinary working people. McConaughey chided the extreme wings of both sides of the political spectrum for delegitimizing one another. Rightfully so. No side is blameless when it comes to suppressing undesirable speech. But the left, with its history of support for free speech and tolerance, has taken a a shameful turn in its embrace of cancel culture. Ricky Gervais, one of Hollywood's most outspoken and controversy-prone comedians, lampooned the movement in an interview with Metro Magazine. He said, quote, you shouldn't have to go to court for saying a joke that someone didn't like. And that's what we get dangerously close to. If you don't agree with someone's right to say something you don't agree with, you don't agree with freedom of speech. End quote. That's true. It's a little bit long for a bumper sticker, but he's absolutely right. People should be able to freely express themselves. You can disagree. And that doesn't mean you have to spring to the defense, slap them across the face with a glove and challenge them to a duel to, you know, assert your honor. If it's something you can't really, you know, get behind, you can always walk away. Remember that whole voting with your feet thing? That works with free speech, too. Gervais also said people trying to get someone fired because they don't like their opinion about something that's nothing to do with their job. That's not cool. And Fiona Harrigan says, while it isn't surprising that Gervais would be the celebrity to decry this trend, it's reassuring that such a visible figure is raising the alarm. As Gervais hints, the right opinion is valuable currency in Hollywood. 
regardless of its relevance to its holder's career. Celebrities who find themselves outside of Hollywood's ideological orthodoxy have to deal with attacks from the general public and from fellow A-listers. And she goes through a little list here of, of some of the kinds of ways this, this takes form. Vince Vaughn, for example, came under fire early this, earlier this year. Oh, well, what did he say? Well, it was what he did. He shook President Donald Trump's hand at a football game. Now, Vaughn explained the cordial gesture was far from an endorsement and that he'd shown similar respect to politicians on the left like Nancy Pelosi. But the Twitter mob still came. And at the very same game, he spoke with Democratic strategist James Carville. That interaction didn't make headlines. Vaughn followed up with an incident uh, with a value followed up the incident rather with a valuable lesson from his youth saying I was raised with the idea that you could have different likes and beliefs and you should respect and defend that in other people not shout it down the people you disagree with most you should stand up for their right to do that he gets it she then points out Chris Pratt faced similar attacks earlier this year for his religious and political affiliations. Though Pratt has never used his platform to voice hate, he was criticized for belonging to a supposedly anti-LGBT church, a point that fellow actor Elliot Page jumped on. Pratt's defense of his church's openness and his own personal values did little to assuage the angry masses and the fact that he uh, follows conservative figures on Twitter and didn't attend an Avengers cast held fundraiser for President-elect Joe Biden just added to the fury. Now, those who are familiar with the history of suppression in Hollywood will rightly draw conclusions to the McCarthy era. She says, though it was the right lobbing attacks and launching probes during this period, it mirrors today's cancel culture in more ways than one. The Red Scare began after World War II, but reached its peak in the 1950s. Public concern about communist influence had grown so great that government officials, most notably Senator Joe McCarthy of Wisconsin, began to launch ideological probes. Now, McCarthy took on the role of the anti-communist movement's chief crusader, with government officials aligning themselves with his conservative views and dissenting leftists falling silent for fear of his wrath. The House Un-American Activities Committee set its sights on Tinseltown as it launched investigations of potential communist sympathizers. And this, this committee's probes eventually resulted in arrests and blacklisting for the actors and directors who were convincingly tied to communist interests. People ratted out colleagues, doling out hundreds of names in the hopes of preserving their own livelihoods or contributing to the anti-communist cause. Careers were lost. Relationships were ruined. Now, isn't it interesting? And she points out, we look back on this era with disgust, with regret, with fear that something so dangerous and invasive could happen again. Yet our contemporary culture mirrors the vindictiveness of this period. Arguably, she says, this is where the cancel culture that now plagues Hollywood, the culture that figures like McConaughey, Gervais, and, Va and Vaughn rally against, took root. Is it really so different from blacklisting? Hollywood's new McCarthyism doesn't flow from the government's highest offices, but its end effect is all too familiar. Ruined careers, ruined reputations, ruined lives. Now, there are, of course, some celebrities who deserve to be canceled. Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, R. Kelly. Those are people who've committed tangible, reprehensible abuses. But she says we're far too quick to line the people up on the chopping block for supposedly irredeemable ideologies. Celebrity or commoner, no one is spared. And I like this thought. Cancellation runs counter to its own goals. If we hope to live by the best ideals that we know of, Cancellation prevents us from discovering the full suite of options, instead committing us to the way things already are. 
And if the aim is to shut down undesirable viewpoints and convert folks to more honorable causes, why pursue the most polarizing approach imaginable rather than having an open and honest debate? It's a great article. You'll find it in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Again, this is from Fiona Harrigan, published on the American Institute for Economic Research website. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I do want to mention, I just want to send a little love the way of my sponsors, and they include Alta Bank Mortgage. That would be my friend John Staples. Seriously, if you are in the market for a uh, new home mortgage, maybe you want to refinance your existing mortgage, those interest rates are ridiculously low right now. They're not going to stay there forever, so you might want to get a move on and contact John at Alta Bank Mortgage. That's, that's the guy you want to talk to, John Staples. Also, a shout-out to my friend Steve Burgess at Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. Look, if you, if you run a business... And you have to get commercial insurance. You already know it can be kind of complicated. And if you're wondering, do I have exactly what I need? Well, nobody's going to fault you for asking that question. I will tell you, though, Steve and his associates can help you answer that question with confidence. And I have contact links for both of them right at the bottom of today's show notes at the com. These are the show notes for December 30th. Please feel free to avail yourself of Alta Bank and Landmark Risk Management and Insurance and tell them thank you for sponsoring this show. All right, a couple of things here that I want to share with you in the closing moments here. This is some good news. I know it's hard to find a lot of things to say about 2020. I'm seeing things pop up on Facebook and other social media. Oh, thank goodness. I can't believe this year is finally over. One more day after tomorrow. You know, we got one more day we could get this thing behind us. And I'm just going to suggest that, uh, yeah, there were a lot of parts of this year that sucked. There's, There's no getting around it, but... There was some good news which came along with this as well. Um, One article that I will also share in the show notes today. This is uh, from Michelle Malkin. 2020, the year expert, in quotation marks, credibility died. And she just makes the case for it. There was ever a time to question authority. Remember the old countercultural slogan of the 1960s? The authoritarian age of COVID-19 is that time. Because the experts have been telling us, this is what you need to do. This is what you must do. This is what we will mandate that you do for about the last nine and a half months. And they've consistently been wrong time and time again. And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's stubbornness. Maybe it's just pride. The experts aren't going to, experts aren't going to admit that they're wrong. And maybe those people who are really, truly scared of this, uh, this virus that they can't see, they don't want to admit the experts were wrong either. But those who are willing to crunch the numbers, those who are willing to to look at, did they get the intended result that they were saying they would get by locking this down, locking that down, insisting people wear masks, etc. I mean, Tom Woods has a remarkable post on his uh, his website where he shows and it's he's actually showing some other expert, someone who's really a number cruncher. 
that there are so many instances in which, you know, causation and correlation were not the same thing. And yet I, I'm, I'm trying to remember how he puts this. Basically, all these different things that were put into practice, this is going to slow the spread. This is going to flatten the curve and so forth. And 51 times it didn't happen. You know, once might be an aberration, 51 times some experts are getting it wrong. And Dr. Fauci, unfortunately, seems to be sitting at the top of that pile of experts. And uh, and it's it's OK to question him. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, damning his soul to hell or otherwise, you know, uh, ignoring him or, or treating him poorly. Just keep in mind that when an expert is telling you this is how everyone must do things, when they are asserting authority over your lives that was never explicitly given to them in the first place, it's okay to question them. It's okay to withdraw your compliance. Unfortunately, there's a lot of folks working through fear that are not quite to that point. So I would encourage you, read the article by Michelle Malkin, 2020, the year expert credibility died If nothing else, it'll make you feel a little bit better to know that the experts, in fact, are mere human beings like you and like me. They don't walk on water. They do not levitate from place to place. And the fact that they can get things wrong is is okay, because it gives you and me permission to evaluate for ourselves. Is this in my best interest or not? Should I get a second opinion? Which I don't think is ever really a bad idea. And I'm going to temper this by saying, instead of seeking out the experts, oh, please tell me, what, what must I think, Master? Learn to become an expert. And I mean, learn to think like an expert. Not that you know everything. Well, yes, I can accurately discuss microbiology, you know, at any level you would wish. But know how to ask the kind of questions that can help you get answers to the truths that you're seeking. And as always, beware of people whose uh, expertise is linked to some kind of a political agenda. Expertise plus authority eh, usually is, uh, is a recipe for mischief. All right. Final article. And this is the one where I'm going to share a couple of excerpts. This is from James Bovard. The year in which comforting American myths were ravaged. We had a lot of opportunities to bump up against the truth this year, and I know it was uncomfortable for me, so I'm assuming that it was probably uncomfortable for other people as well. Thanks in large part to the COVID lockdowns, James Bovard says, this year has left vast wreckage in its wake. With 10 million jobs lost, more than 100,000 businesses and dozens of national chains bankrupted or closed, up to 40 million people could face eviction in the coming months for failing to pay rent. And Americans report that their mental health is at record low low levels. But the casualty list for 2020 must also include many of the political myths that shape Americans' lives. You ready for a few of these? All right, here we go. Perhaps the biggest myth to die this year was that Americans' constitutional rights are safeguarded by the Bill of Rights. After the COVID-19 pandemic began, governors in state after state effectively placed scores of millions of citizens under house arrest. Dictates that former Attorney General Bill Barr aptly compared to the greatest intrusion on civil liberties since the end of slavery. Politicians and government officials merely had to issue decrees, which were endlessly amended in order to destroy citizens' freedom of movement, freedom of association, and freedom of choice in daily life. Los Angeles earlier this month banned almost all walking and bicycling in the city, ordering four million people to remain in their homes in a futile effort to banish a virus. 
Next, he says the rule of law is another myth impaled by 2020's dire developments. Courts have repeatedly struck down sweeping restrictions. Federal Judge William Stickman IV invalidated some of Pennsylvania's restrictions in a September ruling. Quote, broad population-wide lockdowns are such a dramatic inversion of the concept of liberty in a free society as to be nearly presumptively, presumptively unconstitutional, end quote. After the Michigan Supreme Court effectively labeled Governor Gretchen Whitmer a lawless dictator, she responded by issuing new COVID-19 emergency orders that are nearly identical to her invalidated emergency orders. As the Mackinac Center noted, how many governors and mayors have you seen on TV news being led away in handcuffs after their arrest for violating their citizens' rights this year? None. Another myth that 2020 obliterated was the notion that politicians spending more than $100 billion every year for science and health would keep Americans safe. The CDC utterly botched the initial testing regime, sending out bogus tests to local state, uh, state and local health, gov- health departments, rather, and taking a month and a half to do what the Thai government achieved in one day. The Food and Drug Administration helped turn the coronavirus from a deadly peril into a national catastrophe. Long after foreign nations had been ravaged and many cases had been detected in America, the FDA continued blocking private testing. The FDA continued forcing the nation's most innovative firms to submit to its command and control approach, notwithstanding the pandemic. And then there was the benevolence and compassion of public school teachers, another myth that 2020 obliterated. Teachers unions helped barricade school doors the same way segregationist governors in the 50s and 60s refused to obey federal court orders to admit black students. The Chicago Teachers Union proclaimed the push to reopen schools is based in sexism, racism and misogyny. Now, black and Hispanic students suffered much larger learning losses due to school shutdowns, leading former Education Secretary John King to warn of a generation of lost students. Despite a deluge of studies that showed schools posed little risk of fueling the the pandemic, rather, teachers insisted they were entitled to both their salaries and to stay at home as long as they considered necessary. Another myth that perished in 2020 was that social media and the Internet could be a powerful propellant of free information. Instead, the biggest players pulled the most strings to suppress criticisms or dissent from the latest COVID policies promulgated by officialdom. On March 18th, Twitter announced that in response to COVID-19, it would ban tweets guilty of denial of expert guidance or misleading content purporting to be from experts or authorities. Perhaps the saddest casualty of 2020, though, is the myth that the average Americans cherish their personal freedom. Okay, this one stings. Politicians continually shifted the rationale for lockdowns from flattening the curve to ending community spread to reducing the cases to near zero. And regardless of the proclaimed rationale, Most people submitted without a fight, usually without a whimper. You can read the rest of the article for yourself. Again, this is from James Bovard. The year in which comforting American myths were ravaged. If there's any good that comes from this, it's that we can come away from this wiser than we were before. Check it out for yourself. You'll find them at thebrianhydeshow.com in today's show notes. This is The Brian Hyde Show.